One of the major reasons our world finds itself in such a painful mess is because God's people have allowed the world to define what is normal for society. This sad fact is extremely apparent as related to the institution of marriage. Listen in today as Pastor Rander continues to speak about this matter in the message, Misconceptions in Marriage. He'll begin our discussion in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse number 32. You need to do your husband some good. It's not just, he ought to be doing you right, doing you right too. But uh, you ought to be doing him good. I'm trying to help these men too, because I don't want to be men bashing. You need to do him good. He loves it. When you pull on him and put your hands on him and touch him and stroke him and wrap your hands around his face and do those kinds of things that just smooch on him. He do, do him some good. Do him some good. Do some things he likes to do. Do him some good. Don't do him evil, you know. I mean, I prayed long and hard before I married my wife. When I was a teenager, I was praying that God give me a good wife. I was praying, Lord, I don't want to be fighting with a woman. I said, Lord, I don't want an ice pick in my chest. I was praying. I was praying. I was praying. I was doing some praying. And you know what? God gave me an excellent wife, a virtuous wife, a good wife. I can snore and slobber all over myself. And I know she is safe. Amen. She does me a lot of good. Amen. Last night I couldn't sleep and I was telling her what was going on and she just, she grabbed something and just read to me. It was two o'clock in the morning before I really went to sleep and my foot hit the floor at five o'clock in the morning. And, um, but she took out something and just read to me just to calm me down and settle me down. And she read this book with prayers in it and all these kinds of things. Be willing to calm each other down when one is rattled, when one is disturbed. When one, one needs to be just settled down, you be the, you be the person who knows how to settle your man down or to settle your wife down to the glory of God. Sometimes our spirits get troubled, our hearts get troubled in these things and, and we're there for one another through those times. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Uh, number six, you know your marriage is in trouble when there is constant Conflict over child rearing, such as discipline, how you discipline the children, co-signing for a car, college expenses, on and on it goes. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? As we raise our children, we must not allow them to run interference in our marriage. They know how to play one parent against the other. It's important for parents to be a united front when dealing with the issues of your children. Your children should never see you fussing at each other, fighting at each other, pout, fighting with each other, pouting at one another. That, that makes for a disturbed, dysfunctional family. And so if you have a disagreement, you ought to settle those differences out of your children's presence for the glory of God and for the sake of your children. Number seven, uh, you know your marriage is in trouble when you argue and fuss so much until that has become the norm in your marriage. Just fussing and arguing, arguing and fussing, just mad about anything. They simply coexist in tension and strife. I mean, even on Christmas Day, you find something to fight about. Can't have a decent Thanksgiving meal for for just being negative. Uh, negativity must not rule and reign in your marriage. That's right. Ask God to, to help you see the good, the positive things 
uh, to put a spiritual uh, spin, a spiritual spin on something that could be negative, but God has shown you how to say something that could edify and bring peace and resolution in the situation. Galatians 5.15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You will tear each other to shreds by biting and devouring and just not speaking and you got your lips poked out, your faces tore up, and you leave the house mad. It makes for a bad day. You go to the work, you go to your job, you're in a bad mood. If you're with finances on your job and a banker, your teacher, whatever you are, you can't even minister effectively because you just got out of a fight. And some of y'all can't worship here because you've been fighting for you got here. You fight for you got here, then you, you tell your husband to shut up and come here and say, hello, Sister Jones. Some of you talk, you talk better to, to, to Christians in the church house than you do to your own husband in the car. Uh, your wife in the car, you're fighting over driving and which way to go and you driving too close to the bumper. You, you, are you drunk? And, you know, some of the biggest fights. You got two drivers. Hey man, man, when I'm driving and the whole fam- family's in the car, especially when they all got their license, they're going to all tell you how to do it. I remember my children, you know, whenever they're in the car with me, they're going to tell me what to do. You're making me nervous. I say, remember, I brought you home from the hospital. You know, and you got home safely. Everybody get grown, get licensed, and all of a sudden everybody know which way to go, the best route. Just let the GPS do it, you know. Don't bite and, and devour one another, even when it comes to driving. Just be quiet and be restful and pray hard in that car. <laughs> Number eight, you know your marriage is in trouble where there's constant bickering and fighting over money. In marriage, I mean, it's just money. You're always fighting about money. One spend too much, one hoard too much. One want to change all the carpet out, change the walls, change the the uh, curtains, and change everything. And you you can't. You're not even making ends meet, you know. And uh, you, it's, you're fighting over money because you have a different philosophy about it. You, listen, it's wise when you talk about money during the dating process. And if you're really getting serious and it really seems like you're, about to, you're thinking about marriage, you need to talk more intimately about finances so you know what you're getting yourself into. That's right. You need to find out if there's some child support around now. There's some extra children you don't know about. I mean, put all the cards on the table. Don't, 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 I don't want no surprises after I say I do. Amen. Now, if I know what I'm getting into, that's fine. But don't surprise me six months later saying, by the way, you know, (laughs) hey, won't y'all say amen. If I know what I'm getting into, that's fine. But don't surprise me. I don't like surprises like that. Uh, That's right. Don't say surprise. So fighting over money is usually about selfishness because one likes spending on themselves and and money's gone, lack of self-discipline, can't control, compulsive spender, you know, it, it just, you just got, it burns your pocket until it's gone. Uh, you're fighting because of irresponsibility, and all of these things makes for a good conflict over money. Conflict over money is one of the primary reasons for divorce. Did you hear what I said? Conflict over money is one of the primary reasons for divorce. Get an understanding. Know how to negotiate with each other. 
give and take, compromise. Yeah, wives, if you're working and you can't, don't, don't tell your husband, this is my money. I can do with it what I want. No, it all goes in the same pot. I remember when I was teaching school, my wife was working for a law firm, Butler Binion, Rice Cook and Nap law firm, major law firm in, um, in Houston. And, and what I brought home and what her, what she brought home was just day and night. I looked at my little teacher, Sarah, and I looked at her, Sarah, and I said, my goodness. But you know what? That didn't bother me. I was just as happy. I said, bring it on home, Darlene. Bring it on home, baby. Go for it. Go for it. Go, girl. You own it. You know, you own it. I let my priorities all coming in the same pot. Matter of fact, you ought to have a same pot. That's right. Ought not be my account and your account and your, and, and look by the thank you, Holy Ghost. And your name should be on every account. Husbands and wife. Y'all not have sideline accounts. And, and stuff, and then you doing stuff around on the side and that account, spouse don't know nothing about it. My, if I die, my wife can get to the account. Her name is on everything. I want to make sure she get that signature card and make sure her name have it. I don't want to die and she can't even get to it. You know, and she don't, and I have monies in other places she doesn't know about. That's called trust. You, I, it's trusting her, trusting him to keep the the name on everything, same account, and uh, that was just fine. I didn't care about her making more than me, and I didn't have an ego trip, I, I you know. And uh, it was it's okay, it's okay. But she now she can't come home. Well, this is my money. I make more than you anyhow. She can't pull that either. You know, she realized that uh, we we love each other. It's all in the same pot for the glory of God and the ongoing. Uh, responsibilities of the household. Marriage is the world's oldest institution established by God for our benefit and yet is entered into by most with unrealistic expectations. Join us today as Pastor Rander continues the series God's Gift of Marriage and the Destructive Culture with this message, Misconceptions in Marriage. He'll be teaching from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse number 32. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money, not money. Money is not evil. Money is not good or evil. For the love of money. You don't love money. Don't love money. When you love money, you'll kill yourself working for it. When you love money, you'll take jobs that you shouldn't be even taking. When you love money. When you love money, you buy things you can't afford. That's right. When you love money, you'll steal to get it. When you love money, you'll cheat. When you love money, you won't even tithe. You'll rob from God. If you rob from God, you're subject to rob from anybody. Don't love money. Keep the proper perspective about money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And folk can get evil. My wife and I was taking care of some insurance business, and our insurance guy, uh, we were trying to see, I was trying to see if I died, what would she get? Uh, and then if she died, what would I get? Look how y'all listening. I ain't going to tell you no more. <laughs> so we were there last Monday trying to figure all this stuff out, because I don't want to leave her broke and all that kind of stuff. You know, I want to finish well to to the glory of Almighty God. So we we... we and so when I, I found out what she was going to get uh, and all that, I said, well, that's pretty good. I found out what I was going to get, 
he said, well, now if she died, you get this. And then uh, I didn't look at her funny and figure out how I could kill her. <laughs> you know, you know, that's what the people do. You know, people do stuff like that. And uh, I, I told her, honey, you are, you are worth more than that to me. Because if I got the money, but, but not having you, listen, uh, that, that's the pale in comparison. I would never do something to my wife to get some money. You know, fuck will do that. That's just outright, e- all kinds of evil. And then uh, I, I say, have you ever had any kind of stories? So-and-so, I called his name. He said, oh, yeah. Uh, this, this husband and wife were having problems with each other. So uh, he decided to cut her brake lines to her brakes, you know, and so she she was driving, and the car wouldn't stop. She was mashing on the brakes and wouldn't stop, and she just rolled on the side, and it finally got it hit a hill, and it finally began to. And she suspected, but this car this car won't stop. And so she had it inspected, and found out, found out that the uh, brake line had been cut, so that she could have a major accident and get killed, so he could draw the money. And the insurance company end up prosecuting him for that, and he went to jail. Now, y'all, that is cynical, and that is evil. But you do that kind of stuff when you love money. Nothing is too low down for you to do when you love money. Um, how do you know when your marriage is in trouble? When there is a continual breakdown in communication. A continual breakdown in communication. In other words, communication breaks down when there is an inability to be quiet and earnestly listen from the heart to what your spouse is saying. Be quiet and listen. Don't talk when they're talking. And the other side is, don't talk so much that the other person can't get a comment in. James 1, 19 through 20 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Slow to get angry. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. All right? That anger, you gotta watch that anger and that wrath. So listen from the heart. Listen to your husband. Listen to your wife. Hear them from the heart. Just be quiet and listen. And that can be difficult to people who are verbal. To people who are verbal. I like to talk. You know, I'm a preacher. You know, preachers talk. My wife, she's verbal. And so I have to will myself not to talk. She has to will herself because we, we're talkers. And so you got, we have, one of us got to be quiet. And so do you. Won't y'all say amen? Don't be looking at Y'all got to be quiet. Stop. Listen, stop talking at the same time. You can't hear nothing. You talking and she talking and you getting louder. She getting louder and neither one of you hear nothing. Number 10, I'm still talking about communication. When one spouse, you know your, your marriage is in trouble when one spouse dominates the conversation and deliberately refuses to give the other spouse an opportunity to speak. They just talk, 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 talk. Hush, I'm not through talking yet. Let me talk. And then it's not a dialogue, it's a monologue. And then when you get through talking, you press on out the room. You know, what you press on, you haven't given that man a chance to speak. And women, you got to understand, most women can speak 10,000 words before that man can speak five. It's just natural. You know, men just go, uh-huh, uh-uh, no, yeah. Please tell me something. Men talk in sentences. 
Make some paragraphs. Talk. 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 Communicate. Don't just uh uh-huh, uh-uh, no, yeah, what, no. Come on. Uh, Have a dialogue, not a monologue. Why y'all laughing? You know, just talk, 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 talk. And then by the time it's time for you to talk, you forgot what you were going to say. You ever had your spouse talk so long that you forget what they're going to say? Philippians 2, 4 says, let each of you look out not for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And by the way, stop repeating yourself. If your spouse got the point, they've gotten the point. You don't have to say it three and four times like they can't understand. They understand. They understand. When you say do it, do you understand? Yes, I do. Move on. You know, move on. They're not hard of learning. Number 11, I'm talking about communication. Man, communication will tear up the house, tear up the marriage. Ooh, and some of y'all in a mess now because you just can't communicate properly. Number 11, when communication, you know your marriage is in trouble, when communication breaks down because one spouse focuses on what they're going to say in response while the other person is still speaking. You understand what I'm saying? You understand? Oh, yeah, look at your face, rolling your eyes. You, 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 in other words, your spouse, your husband is talking or your wife is talking, but you're not hearing, a, you, you're not hearing a word. They say, you know why? Because you're so busy loading up your ammunition on what you go. You just load it up. And when he get through talking or she get through talking, you ready to shoot off. You, must, you can't wait till they get through talking. You, you just, you haven't heard them because you, 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 you're being defensive and you're already loading up on what, how you're going to respond to what that person just said. You know your marriage is in trouble when communication breaks down because one spouse focuses on what they're going to say in response while the other person is still speaking. Now, I got some scriptures on that, and I want you to listen to me closely. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Oh, boy. Let us hear. Don't you say nothing. Let them talk out, and if you're talking, don't talk eternally. Okay. Uh, I mean, I can't hear the whole matter because her whole matter won't stop. Or his whole matter won't stop. Wait a minute. You, you don't have to be everlasting to be effective. Uh, let us hear the conclusion. Wait, hear the whole thing. Hear the whole thing. Hear the whole matter. I like Proverbs 18, 13 too. It speaks to this. He or she who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. That's big. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. In other words, you cut them off because you already got the thing figured out and you're going to start answering and try to give corrective comments and you haven't even heard the person out. And so don't, don't jump to conclusions. Be patient in your listening to the glory of almighty God, then your marriage can grow healthy in the communication process. One more, and then we'll stop. Well, you know your marriage is in trouble when there is little to no sexual intimacy. 
when there's little to no sexual intimacy. Uh, in other words, uh, one of the strategies of Satan is to tempt you to have sex before marriage. Oh, you can't wait. And then you start sinning all over the place because you just can't wait. And you just messing up, messing up your blessing, messing up yourself. It's getting quiet now. You ain't saying nothing. <laughs> One of the strategies of Satan is to tempt you to have sex before marriage and then to tempt you to deny your spouse in marriage. You can't wait to do it before marriage and then you get married and don't want to touch each other. One of them want to. I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm I'm whatever. I got a headache. And so many headaches. Get you some Tylenol and put it on the bed. For the headache, give them 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> That's right. All these headaches, sudden headaches, outbursts of headaches. There's a scripture on that, y'all. I'm too old. No, you're not. You're not too old to have sex. That's what they have Viagra for and all these other things. You know, it's there for a reason. Okay? I'm just saying it. It's, it's the truth. You know, y'all squish up and get all purple and blue and green in the face. Everybody else can talk about it, but you in the church, shut up. Don't talk about that. You're ready to slap somebody because you said the word sex. These kids hearing all kinds of things out there. All kinds of things. And then you want to talk, don't want to talk about it in here. This is where it ought to be talked about. Won't y'all say amen? Let me give you a scripture on this so you won't think I'm making this up. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. When you find it, say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. That's the obligation for that man to do that. It's, it's, it, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. There's usually no problem on that side, usually. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Verse 4, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband. In other words, if you don't want him to have sex with you, then you, you shouldn't have gotten married. You don't get, after you get married, talking about, I don't want to do this no more. No, it doesn't work like that. And the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. In other words, the wife's body belongs to the husband. The husband's body belongs to the wife, vice versa. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Did you get that? Don't deprive. Don't play games. Don't say you didn't take the garbage out right so you can't do nothing. You know, don't play games. Don't bargain with your sexuality. Okay? Do not deprive. Underline that. Each other of sexual relations. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Anytime you want to abstain for sex, then it, the husband and wife must both be 
in agreement so that there are no surprises when one want to touch the other. You've already pre-agreed. And this fasting and prayer business is not for three months. Okay, it's not all that. No, 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 it ain't for the th- three months. Why? Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Wives, husband, what's the, the worst thing you can do is starve your spouse sexually. Well, that's right. Starve That is evil and that is not of God. Sex is a gift from God. It is to be done, it to be done exclusively in the context of holy matrimony to the glory of God. It is not ugly. Satan has distorted it, taken it beyond the bounds of, of holy matrimony and he just distorting the thing to no end. But we have to have the proper view of sexuality to the glory of God. My friends, if you, this is how you get into adulterous relationships because the man can't get nothing at home and then he justifies himself and here this lady is on the job or here, here, he justifies, well, I can't get none at home and she's coming on to me. I'll take business right here. That, that doesn't justify, but, but you, you shouldn't do that because it creates those kinds of things. And so you ought to take business, take care of your business at home to the glory of God. And, uh, it is to be enjoyed. It's not just for having babies. It is to be enjoyed and it is to be throughout the duration of the marriage to the glory of Almighty God. And I know that made some of y'all uncomfortable, but was it true? Y'all can't even say amen. It was true. And it's right. It is good. It is proper. It is honorable to the glory of God, which keep our marriage healthy, well, and balanced. And all God's children said, If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109 directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.